This is a psalm of lament. And it's a major theme in the Bible of, of lamenting, and especially in the book of Psalms here. It's an expression of deep sorrow, grief, or regret. The Psalms of Lament are beautiful poems or hymns that express human struggles. The Psalms of Lament are the largest category of Psalms in this book, making up about a third of the entire book of Psalms. And this is a prayer that lays out a troubling situation to God and making a request for his help. And as you read this, you can really begin to feel what David is saying here as he cries out to God. You can feel his lament. You can feel his anguish and his grief. You know, in this psalm, it is thought that David wrote this while he was on the run from Absalom. His son who was trying to kill him and to take his kingdom from him. You know, any parents out there, if you've ever wondered how well you're doing, if you're ever worried about how you're doing as a parent, if you've not gotten to the, I'm writing a poem because my kids are out to get me, I think you're in a pretty good spot. Life might not be that bad. You're probably doing okay. Now, it doesn't take too much uh, imagination to, to then get a sense of David's feelings here, especially in those first few verses. He says he's feeling distant from God. He's calling to him from the end of the earth. He is separated from God. And you sense his, his weakness and his vulnerability in this passage. But it's mind-blowing because this is David. He is the man's man of the Old Testament. The great warrior, the king, literally a giant slayer. And he's faint of heart. He's at the end of his rope. This is the guy known as a man after God's own heart, and yet he feels distant and separated from God. It's as if he's on the other end, other end of the world from God. And here he is crying out, God, hear me. Bring me to that place of safety. Bring me back to you, God. David is looking for security and rest, comfort and peace. And you know what? As much as I love the other psalms, the ones that are encouraging, the ones that are uplifting, the ones that are praising God and all his wonderful glory, I really feel like I can connect the most with these laments and a psalm like this one. When life is hard and I think to myself, Boy, it seems like the entire world is against me today. It's a psalm like this that helps me to frame my mindset. That when I want to pray to God and just express my grief, express my, my regrets, or even just cry out to him, a psalm like this helps me frame that prayer. Helps me to talk to God with his own words, from his word. And you had even to read about a guy like David who I've idolized as a kid because I wanted to be having those adventures. I wanted to be out there slaying giants. But to then see this, this guy that I've looked up to feel this way. If a man after God's own heart can feel distant and separated from God, to go through those spells, those dark nights of the soul, 
then I feel like I'm in good company when I struggle that way. I feel like I am in good company when I feel far from God. And so I know that in those moments, what I'm feeling isn't wrong. That I'm not alone in feeling this way. In fact, if you're feeling this way this morning, don't be afraid to call out to God. Maybe you need to read this psalm as a prayer to God for yourself. God hears you even though it may seem like he is on the other end of the earth when he is so far away. And so David longs for safety and security. He's been forced out of his home. He is afraid for his life. But it's not the comfort and security of his palace that he longs for. He's not wishing to return to a time when he was the guy, he was the king rather than a fugitive running for his life. He's not sitting in his tent or around his campfire wishing for his wealth and security. He longs for God. He longs for God to lead him to that rock that is greater than he is. For God himself to be his strong tower, his fortress, and protection from his enemies. Because David knew that, or he knew that his own skill as a warrior or a genius as a commander would not be enough in this situation. It wasn't going to be the number of swords that surrounded him that kept him safe. It wasn't the walls built by human hands that would protect him, his wealth, his status. No, none of that would be his security. He knew that lasting security is found in something higher and greater than human hands and efforts. He knew that real security is only found in God. And you know what? I, I, I look back at my own life and I think about those times when I look to my paycheck or my bank account for security or, more specifically, the hope of more in that bank account or hope in, of that bigger paycheck to be my security. If I just had a little bit more, if I could cover those bills, cover that debt, and just get that little bit more, you know what? Then I would be secure in life, right? That's all that it would take. But what happened if I lost my job? If my bank account was hacked again, then my security would be gone. Just like that. Where else are we tempted to look for our security? Or we think about the world around us, our friends, our family, our neighbors, and the unbelieving world. Where are they looking for security? Their job, their paycheck, their house, that dream house that they've always wanted. Relationships, politics, physical health. All of those things are temporary. And you know what? They're likely to disappoint us as well. And honestly, if you look back over the last year or so, we've seen a lot of that shaken. As those around us and maybe some of us have lost jobs. Houses have been lost. Politics has been quite the upheaval recently. And you know, we can be really tempted to lament over that loss. But such a lament may have us looking towards those wrong things for security 
if we're only dwelling over what we have lost and what has been missing in this past year. Because lasting security is found in something higher than the things of this world. That real security is only found in God. So as David is crying out to God here, he's not just looking for God to be his supernatural bodyguard, to secure his palace, to secure his status, to secure his wealth, all of these physical, temporal things, material things. David wants closeness with God. He wants protection, but he also wants intimacy with God. In verse 4, he says, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. The thing that David longs for most here is to feel that closeness and feel God's presence again in his life. He wants to be worshiping God in the tabernacle, that tent that was built during the Exodus to represent God's place and his presence among his people. This is where sacrifices were made. This is where worship was happening. And this is where David wants to be. David preferred God's tent over his own palace. David wants to be as close to God as a baby bird under the wings of its mother. He wants to feel God closely. David wants that relationship with God. He wants the strong, immovable defense that a high rock, a tower provides. But he wants that personal relationship from his protector. And as you consider the things of this world, none of those can provide that. Only our God can provide that. And so as you're worn out from life, where are you turning? When my days seem to be too much, when the work is too hard, when I just want another vacation and stress is grinding me down, where am I turning to to see me through it? Do I just got to pull myself up a little bit more by my bootstraps, try a little bit harder to get through this week, get to that weekend, get to that vacation? When my sin is weighing me down, do I just need to try to ne harder next time? Be a better person? No. I need to experience the safety and intimacy that only God can provide. That can only come from a God who wants, to call, or wants us to call him Father, as we just sang about. That requires a change in our relationship with God. That requires us to, to say we want to have God be that close to us and we want to be close to God in that way. If you were writing out your own lament to God, you are going to sit down and pen a, a lament to God to, to cry out to him, how would it sound? I feel like too often in my own life, I want God to be a guest in my house. God, I'll give you your own room in my house. I'll make it a nice room. This will be a great place for you. But what's nice about this is I have a door on that room and I can keep you from certain areas in my life. 
right? You know, maybe I don't want you necessarily interfering with the way that I work, what I watch, what I read, the way I talk, the way I think. But hey, God, you're still in my house. I can pull you out when I need you, when I want you. But otherwise, I'll keep you safely tucked away during those times. Maybe our lament to God would say, God, I really wish I could visit you more. And you know what? I'm willing to go to you when I need you. You know what? Maybe, God, I'll make you more part of my routine if it's convenient to my life. When I feel like I have time for you. Sunday mornings, for sure. Definitely. Maybe. Depends on how my week goes. Depends on how that morning is going. In a lament like that, we set the rules, the conditions for that relationship. And if we're not careful, we can turn God into a good luck charm. Break the glass in case of an emergency sort of thing. But what would it take to say like David does? God, I want to live in your house. God, I want to be in your tent, and so I will let you direct and be in charge of everything I do. Because if you look at the tabernacle, God was in control there. God set the rules. God set how things were going to run and function there. Not the men who were working there. Not the people who had gathered to worship. And so that begins to ask a lot of us, doesn't it? If I do give God that control in my life, that may require me to change a lot about myself. In fact, if I want to live that way, I'm going to have to start to let Nate die so that Christ can be more in my life. That'll change so much of what I do. You know what, even those things I look to for security, I have to then put them in their proper place. I have to see them for what they are, and those are created things, and at worst, idols, rather than having them in front of God. But this is exactly what David is wanting. God, I want to live in your tent. God, I want to follow your ways and not my ways. In fact, it's following the ways of the world that got David into this mess. This is all happening. David is on the run because he saw Bathsheba and said, I want her. And so he murdered and stole to get what he wanted and brought down this disaster upon himself and his family. And so David realizes that lasting rest is found in intimacy with God, not in pursuing the things of this world. But you know, it requires a great faith to call out to God in this way. To have God be our place and our shelter is one thing. That emergency room that we run to in times of need. But then to also want this level of intimacy brings us to a whole nother level. How can David do this? How is David at this place where he is wanting this intimacy, trusting God for this level of safety and security? Because David has seen God at work. 
David knows the faithfulness of his God, and he knows what is best for his people. David says this personally in verses 5 through 8. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Boy, the tone of this psalm really changes direction. The two halves are very different from each other. In the first, David is lamenting, and here, here it changes. That insecurity of the first half is replaced by assurance. No longer is David asking for God to hear him. God, hear me. Now David knows that God hears him. His plea for help is replaced with praise for God's faithfulness. David can look back and remember God blessing him with this heritage. This heritage that he has inherited, that he has received, not because of his status, not because of his nationality, but because of his faith. It is the spiritual rewards of God's covenant relationship with the people of the past, of those with faith from the past. It recalls guys like Abraham and Jacob and Joseph, women like Rahab and Ruth, people that have followed God far from the security of their own home, from their family and wealth, and yet they still found safety and security and peace and rest because they found that in God rather than the things of this world. So as we face times of fear and worry and stress, as a believer, think back on your own life and remember those times where God has provided, where God has carried you through and blessed you. And if you think to yourself, I don't know that I have those. I can't recall those. Maybe you're a young believer and you're like, I've not been there yet. This is why it's great to be part of a church. Because you have brothers and sisters in Christ that you can go to and say, I feel far from God today. I don't know if God is hearing me. And they can pray with you. And they can remind you of times in their own lives. Or maybe because they are outside of your situation, they can look back at your own life and say, you may not remember this, or you may not be aware of this, but this was a time that God has carried you through and blessed you. You can also look to God's word. A great place to go is Hebrews chapter 11. The hall of faith. Those great times that the writer of Hebrews recalls all these men and women of faith and points out where they had faith, how God has blessed them, how God has carried them through. And we can be reminded that God has in the past been faithful. God has been faithful and is faithful in the present. 
and we can then count on his promises to be faithful in the future. And so even though we may not be physically descended from Abraham, we as followers of Jesus also share in the blessings of that heritage. We share in the spiritual blessings God promises to all who follow Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we have that salvation, the forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus. And we have that blessing of eternal life that begins now and lasts into eternity. And so, as David continues in this psalm, in verse 6 and 7, it, it appears that he has now shifted to the third person. Prolong the life of the king. May his life endure for all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God appoints steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. David is praying for himself here. However, this wording is not unique to this passage. It seems to recall and reflect the promises of God that God made to David in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. David has expressed a desire to build a house for God. And God in turn says, no, I am going to do something for you. God speaking through the prophet Samuel in chapter 7, verse 8 of 2 Samuel says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus the Lord of hosts, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the, the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I have appointed judges over my people Israel, and I, have, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David's faith, his prayer here, is resting on the promises of God. Trusting in God to care and provide for him. His faith is in God fulfilling these promises. You know, living when we do, we have the benefit of being able to rely on the promises of God and we have the advantage of time being on this side of the cross. We know how the story ends with David. We know how those promises are carried out and we be, have seen God begin to fulfill those promises. Because already, a son of David sits enthroned forever. Already, Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of David, sits enthroned before God. 
And he will return one day to rule here on earth as well. And the son of David is continually building a house for God. No longer is it a physical building that he has built. It is his own body that was destroyed and rebuilt on the, on the resurrection, on the cross, and then in the resurrection. This building, this house for God is being continually built as men and women are called into faith and are added into the spiritual house that is being built. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you share in this heritage that David speaks of. We have a relationship with a God who is our rock, our firm foundation, a tower of strength and protection. We also have a God who is as close to us as a mother bird protecting her children in the nest. I remember one summer at our, at our house, we had a robin build a nest under one of the eaves. And she had two, re- two reactions whenever I came out to get the mail. Dive bomb my head, or she'd crouch down over her young bringing them in that close. And that is how close God is to us. And so the vows that David speaks about in verse 8 represent this relationship with God. That closeness and intimacy and rest with God because those vows are not a one-and-done event. David sets his mind to perform these vows daily. Those of you who are married out there, You've said vows. Are those one and done? Do you wake up one morning and your spouse next to you is starting to sniffle and you go, whoa, I already did the sickness part when you had the stomach bug. I'm not dealing with your runny nose now. You can get your own Kleenex. And I mean, that is the most minor of those vows. But any relationship, married or not, friendship, requires that ongoing commitment. Our relationship with God is no different. We don't just say a vow to God once and then we're good, we're clear. This is not a vow that only happens on Sunday mornings, pulling God out in those times of emergency or need. This is daily committing ourselves to love God and to love others to reach those who are far from God and to teach them all that he has told us to do to follow his ways. And as we perform these vows to God, as we live this relationship with God daily, we begin to experience a lasting rest in that relationship with God. So let us then follow David's example and trust the Lord Call on him, obey him, and sing his praises day after day. And see as a faith like this begins to build upon itself. Our relationship will grow deeper with God. And his rest will enter into our lives more and more. Let's pray. Father God, hear us this morning. 
We praise you, our rock and our strong tower, our God who is close to us and loves us. Lord, for those who are lamenting and grieving,